Okay, if I pray for you before you start, all right. Yeah, well, I thank you for, uh, for Roy. I thank you for um, whatever it is that he's got planned to say to us today. And I pray that you'll guide him in the words that he uses. And I pray that you'll help us to hear what you want to say to us through Roy this morning. Amen. Can I use this microphone for speaking? Is that okay? Thank you. Well, we're going to be uh, looking this morning uh, very much in line with really what we've been talking about. Um, we're going to be looking at some verses from Isaiah chapter 56. I'm going to start off by reading verse 7. So if you have your, your Bibles, it's Isaiah 56 and verse 7. And particularly, I'm going to start with, uh, well, no, I'll read the whole verse out, verse 7. These will I bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And it's that phrase in the second part of the verse that I really want to concentrate on. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So God talks about his house, his dwelling place, it's his kingdom, it's his territory. And uh, in the same way that our homes uh, are territory and they're ours and we're in charge and people come and go really on our terms, don't they? If if you like to think of it like that, Uh, God's house is on his terms, it's where he rules, it's uh, the full assembly of all of God's people, uh, the house of God that he's been building on the earth over the centuries, and it's uh, a house of prayer, um, that essential feature of God's house of prayer, it's where we and God interact in prayer, isn't it? If there's no prayer going on, there's no real meeting with God. We can have all sorts of ideas and beliefs, but prayer is where it it happens. And uh, it's where we meet God and God meets with us. And it's for all nations. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And this was said centuries ago, and we're seeing a fulfillment of it, you know, more than ever, aren't we? We hear of believers, you know, in all countries, uh, think of some cut-off countries like North Korea. We have actually had uh, in the past a couple of students from North Korea. They just came very briefly. I don't know if you remember them, Sally, years ago. Um, I think they moved to Leeds. But even in that closed country, you know, God is bringing people into his house. And uh, only God can do that. And um, I just want to look at the, the context of this verse. So if we keep in the same chapter, but we'll just go back to verse 3. And let's read this. No foreigner, let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. So let's just stop on that verse for a bit. So let no foreigner uh, who has bound himself to the Lord 
say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And uh, we think of uh, foreigners coming here, and some of us may have had the experience of going elsewhere, and then we're the foreigner. And uh, there can be a you know, very strong sense, can't there, of whether we belong or we don't belong. And uh, we can do a huge amount to help visitors to our country feel that they belong. So it's a great joy to have Sharad and Snehul with us. And it's just a great, a great joy to us to think that they have some sense of belonging because we could have ignored them and we could have ignored everyone who comes from another country and say, well, it doesn't matter, they're just here and I'm going to get on with my business. But God has a heart for foreigners. This isn't the only verse where God talks about those who are foreigners. And uh, it says here, you know, that if a foreigner... If foreigners, you know, bind themselves to the Lord, so they want the Lord, they want to be with, with God, um, uh, God doesn't want them to think that they're being excluded from his people. God has a real heart for the stranger and the foreigner. And let not any eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. Now, you've only got to mention, you know, the word eunuch, and you, you feel as though you're being transported to a different culture, a different century, you know, what, what on earth has that possibly got to do uh, with us? But the, the, the eunuch, and, you know, we, we just remember what eunuchs are. They're, they're men who have uh, been physically damaged and lost their virility, uh, so they can't reproduce, they can't be a father, they can't have children. Something vital is missing, and uh, it's not really just about eunuchs here, I think eunuchs stand for those who in some way know that they're diminished and in some ways they're powerless. They have that sense that they're less than what they should be. And I think when we put it in those terms, we can actually understand there's a relevance here for today because there are lots of people like that that because of circumstances or their upbringing or terrible things that have happened to them, or how they've been treated, or you know, all sorts of things go into the melting pot. And a lot of people have this sense they're less than what they should be, or they've been robbed of something. And perhaps you know, they really have had something taken away if they've had a terrible childhood. And God has a special heart. So I know the word eunuch is uh, uh, quite a specific word that seems very uh, you know, distant from us. But God's talking about foreigners, those who naturally feel they don't belong, eunuchs, those who feel they're, they're less than what they should be and they're diminished in some way. And God's saying, I've got a special place for these people. So if, if you're someone who has that sense that you're less than what you should be and you think others always have more and I'm missing out, uh, the word of the Lord is don't say, you know, in the words here, I'm only a dry tree. You know, nothing good will ever come from me. Because God can change that. God can welcome you in and change you and transform you and you will be fruitful. God, will, God can do this change. And we, I'm sure we all know of people who've been through a transition like that. They've gone from barrenness and hopelessness to fruitfulness because of what God has done in them. And God is bringing uh, into his house of prayer the foreigners and the eunuchs. And the question is, you know, are we part of what God is doing? Are we fitting in with God? The foreigner, uh, the outsider, 
the one who clearly is very different to us, uh, are we part of what God's doing and saying, welcome, you know, come in. We're glad you're here. Uh, we want to get to know you. You matter to us. You matter to us because you matter to God. And if we need to make one or two changes, then we, we'd like to try and do that because we want you to welcome. And the unit, the person, you know, diminished, they're reduced. They've got this sense that they're missing something vital. They have, a, you know, this sense of inferiority. God's got a special place for those people. So are we part of welcoming uh, those into, into God's house? God looks at what's going on on the inside, doesn't he? God isn't fooled. And uh, God sees those whose hearts are after him. So just to read down to the next verse, for this is what the Lord says, uh, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. God has something better for us than what we're missing. So if, if there's anyone here who's got a great sense of what you're missing, you know, your life's history just leaves you with a sense you're missing. Uh, God will give you something better than what you're missing if you'll let yourself be gathered in. That's a great thing, isn't it? Uh, I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And verse 6, And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and to hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So praise God for that. So we get the picture, don't we, of what God's doing, what he's been doing through the centuries, what he wants to keep on doing. And the question is, to say for, for us, is are we willingly going to be part of this and uh, fit in with what, what God is doing? It says in verse 8, The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. And uh, that phrase, the already gathered, in a sense we're the already gathered because we've come to God. Um, but over the centuries, those who are the already gathered uh, have sometimes resisted other new ones being gathered. Uh, we see that particularly clearly episodes in the scriptures. We think of when Jesus was on the earth, the Jewish leaders at the time had a great sense that they were the gathered ones, and they really did not want at all people to be gathered in on a different basis to what they understood. They, they had this understanding that they were God's people. They were the, the house of Israel. Uh, God knew how to gather them in. They were the already gathered. And when they heard anything about how people might be gathered to God a different way, they reacted very, very strongly against it. The already gathered didn't want the newly gathered. Uh, well, it wasn't just the Jewish leaders. Uh, I'm sure um, uh, many of you are familiar with a, a dream that God had to give Peter, and Peter was in the same boat. Uh, Peter was Jewish, one of the disciples, 
and it became clear uh, that the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews, were to be welcomed into the church. And Peter, having been brought up in the Jewish tradition, just couldn't accept this. It was just a huge block to him that people could be gathered in uh, a different way to how he was gathered in as, as a Jew. And God had to very clearly give him a dream. And the dream told Peter, don't think that these Gentiles are unclean and they're not fit because God is saying it's their time to come and God is bringing in the Gentiles and the word was to Peter, you know, you make sure that you welcome them and you're part of it. So Peter didn't find it easy. Possibly us, if we're honest, haven't always found it easy. We might not have had anything quite as dramatic as, as these examples, but, you know, in our regular church, um, our regular fellowship groups, home groups, whatever it is, we can be those uh, already there and can get quite comfortable with it. And if someone comes in and rocks the boat, disturbs, it's a challenge and we don't like it. So I wonder if, you know, if we're being absolutely honest, I think, oh, have there been times when really I haven't been as prepared to welcome people from outside in because it's, it just disturbs us who are already gathered in and we're doing things a certain way. Um, but God is, uh, is he's gathered us and he's gathering uh, others. Uh, we can give another example, can't we? When John Wesley was uh, involved in his great preaching ministry in the 18th century um, and he had this great sense that the gospel was for all, he was an Anglican minister, but the Church of England generally just wouldn't have it because they had their way of doing it. And John, John Wesley was not welcome in a lot of Anglican churches, so that, that's really what led to him preaching out in the fields and having this open-air ministry because those already gathered in uh, wanted things to stay pretty much as they were used to it. And that was the start of the, the, the Methodist church. Uh, well, we can say a similar sort of thing for all sorts of other denominations, but you, you get the picture, don't we? Those of us who are gathered in can get used to doing it our way and become resistant and insensitive to those who God is gathering in. And the challenge is there, you know, almost every week in, in any church, isn't it? Someone will come who doesn't fit in, and what are we going to do about it? Do they just sort of bounce off us? Or do we think, well, actually... I'm going to make a special effort to try and connect with that person because if God's doing something, I want to work with God in what he's doing. It's a challenge uh, to us, isn't it? Are, are we uh, helping the newly gathered to, to come in? If we turn to Mark, uh, we'll read of Jesus quoting Isaiah. So it's Mark chapter 11. And verse 17. And as Jesus taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? 
but you have made it a den of robbers. So the, the, the referral there uh, is to the temple, which was made for God and made for him to be honoured in, had been taken over by those who were the, the gathered in, if you like, and they were up to all sorts of trading practices that weren't honouring God and, and basically were pleasing themselves. And uh, Jesus described them as a den of, is like a den of robbers. Um, so it illustrates of how, how badly things can go off, off course from what God intended. But I want to look at the, a few verses before this and just after it, because sometimes in the scriptures, you know, Jesus is talking about something and an incident that happens before and an incident that happens after might seem to be a bit sort of randomly connected, but actually it's all part of the point that God's trying to get across in the scriptures. So if we uh, just look uh, back in this chapter to verse 12, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. And then we have the, the incident of Jesus uh, visiting the temple, seeing the buying and selling and just the corruption of what should be going on, and uh, uh, rebuking people for what they'd let that temple become. And then if we go to verse 20, after that had happened, in the morning, as they, the disciples, went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And it's, uh, it's all part of the same sort of thing here. Here's uh, uh, Jesus looking for fruit from the fig tree. He's after fruit. And why shouldn't he find fruit? Because if he's God and divine, all creation is for him. And if he wants fruit, why shouldn't he find fruit? Uh, but there was no fruit there, nothing but leaves. I know you can say, well, if it wasn't the season for figs, what do you expect? But the point is he was looking for something and it wasn't there, but there were lots of leaves. And so he said to the fig tree, well, if you're nothing but leaves and there's no fruit, you can just wither, you're no use, just no use. And uh, the disciples saw the next day that that is what had happened. Jesus wanted fruit. He wants fruit from us. He wants fruit uh, from his church, he wants that fruit of people from all nations coming into his house of prayer. He wants to gather in people from all nations. He wants to gather in the foreigners. He wants to gather in uh, the eunuchs, those who uh, have been damaged. They're less than what they should be. He's saying, I want to gather people in to my house and I want to see fruit. And every Christian believer and every church this is to be our business, because if, if God is saying this is what I'm after, then that should be our business too. And the, the example of the bush really just highlights this in a, in a sort of graphic way, doesn't it? Uh, Jesus said uh, that he found nothing but leaves. And I found that quite a powerful expression. I wonder 
you know, if our lives, lots of leaves, but not much fruit. You know, I wonder if we were to see our lives in that context. There's nothing wrong with leaves. What are the leaves? Well, I suppose the leaves, they're things that are part of the bush. They're part of life. They, they are needed. They do have a purpose. But really, God's after the fruit. What's the, what's the fruit? Well, I suggest it's what comes from faith. If we have faith in God, and that directly inspires us to live for God in whatever particular ways he wants, then that will bring fruit. And uh, so there's nothing wrong with the leaves. The leaves aren't bad. But if we're all leaves and no fruit, Jesus isn't getting what he wants. And it can be true sometimes for individual believers, can be true for in, you know, whole congregations sometimes, I think. Lots and lots of leaves, but not much fruit. And God wants the fruit. And the fruit is... People, the foreigners, the eunuchs, coming in, all nations, into his house of prayer. So, we've, some of us, we come from Global Cafe, and uh, these things, you know, are a challenge to us. Um, we, we have a base near the university, as many of you know, and... Uh, it's where we want to reach out to the nations, uh, people like Sharad and Snehal, and people wherever they come from. Uh, whatever religion, whatever country they come from, whatever their background, whatever their lifestyle, we want to say welcome in the name of Jesus, and we want to be part of that, and uh, to speak about Jesus and the gospel, and pray, and pray that some of them will come to know God through Jesus for themselves. Uh, and it's all based in prayer. And I just want to say a little bit, I, th I think I might have said this on a previous occasion, so if you've heard this before, just bear with us, but there might be some who haven't heard it. Um, but I think probably about 20 years ago, before Global Cafe was based in the building, God gave a, a church minister in Bradford a picture uh, of the property where we're based. And there were... Path, there, were, there were like streams of light going out from the building into the surrounding area, but they were in a particular form, and they, they, were, they were pathways, but with little dots of light either side. So, so the person who had it thought airport runways. Um, so, you know, a plane comes into land, you just have little dots of light down each side of the runway. And um, we understood from that that God was saying, you know, people would be coming from into this country, flying in, uh, and this is to be a place where they're welcomed, where they're welcomed in Jesus' name, and then there comes a time when they fly back out again. But while they're here, we want that time to count. And uh, so that was one thing God gave us uh, in prayer, and it's, uh, it's, it's directed our prayer life, because that happens, doesn't it? If God, God doesn't have to say a lot to us, but if he just says a little bit here and there, and it just shapes our thinking, and then it's up to us to really pursue it and pray for that and work for that. Uh, it's like a little glimpse into what God wants. And uh, just yesterday, uh, I was uh, forwarded on uh, a message from a student, Vicky. And uh, I think you'll remember Vicky. Do you remember Vicky, John? Yeah? 
Um, do you, no, I don't think you were around Pratima with them, were you? Uh, do you remember Vicky Wanma? He was from Indonesia. He wasn't with us that long. Um, and Vicky uh, sent this uh, text just yesterday. He sent it to Shell, who used to be with us in Global Cafe. It's actually quite a long message. I'm not going to read it all out. But Vicky uh, came from Indonesia, an international student. And uh, in Welcome Week that year, we were going out giving leaflets about Global Cafe. And Vicky had just arrived. He had his cases. So he's just up from the, the interchange, brand new in Bradford. You know, it just sort of hit him at the strangeness of it. All new, this young man. And uh, he met a couple of us on the street. We had our Global Cafe T-shirts on. We were handing out leaflets. Um, and he was so moved to be welcomed. He just cried on the street. Uh, and it was just overwhelming for him. And, you know, we've... We forget sometimes just what an overwhelming thing it is for people to come into a new country. Um, and uh, so he's very pleased to find us. He was a global cafe regular, you know, week in, week out, you know, from day one. I mean, that, I think that was just God that brought us together, really, that, that time. Uh, and, and Vicky was here for his course, and he's gone back to Indonesia. But anyway, he sent this message. And I'm just going to read little bits of it. Um, uh, he's, very, he's very orderly. He has points A, B, C, D, E, and you know, he's yeah, very orderly mind. He's probably an engineer, I think, or something like that. Uh, um, he says, uh, Global Cafe, he says, was a very nice community which helped a lot of foreign and international students, including me. Although Global Cafe uh, is based on Christian values, it did not force students to accept the values. It sent a strong message about what what being a Christian is all about. And then I'll just read out another point. This is point K. <laughs> uh, being Christian, Vicky said, is all about love, understanding, passion, and being humble. Global Cafe did not force people to accept the Christian values, but on the other hand, showed the love to all people who have different values and faiths. And... Uh, that's very encouraging to hear that from Vicky. Uh, and I, I can clearly remember him just, that sense of him being overwhelmed in tears on the streets. And I thought, what a privilege to welcome someone like Vicky. And we can see it one of two ways, can't we? The stranger, those we don't know, those who are different. They're either a bit of a nuisance because it stops us doing whatever we happen to be doing. Or we can say, well, what a privilege to welcome them in, as it has been for Sherad and Snail. So we've got that choice to make, haven't we? How we, how we see this sort of situation. Um, and then 13 years ago, um, we were seeking leadership for this uh, small uh, uh, ministry and God gave us a word in prayer about golden foundations. He said, don't rush, don't be in a hurry. I'm laying golden foundations. And uh, we came to understand that God was preparing certain key people at that time in ways that we, we didn't understand at all. Um, and we thought, well, praise God for that. Because he was just saying, wait, you know, don't be in a hurry to do this. I'm, I'm doing something, laying foundations. And then just in this last year or so, with the transition that we've referred to, and I think, uh, again, I, I might have shared this another uh, occasion, but when we were praying just over a year ago um, about the need for new people to step up. God gave us, uh, uh, we were in a little prayer group and 
someone spoke in a tongue and then a couple of people had pictures and one of the pictures was of uh, potatoes growing underground uh, so you didn't see anything happening but God was doing something out of sight and there'd come a time when you, the potatoes would be brought up to the surface and you'd see what's growing and it's like a new generation the old if you like the parent potato coming to an end passing on its DNA to a new generation it's that sort of picture and I think well praise God for that because you know we'd have gone off on a different tangent doing something different apart from God said you know it's not going to happen quickly I've got to prepare something and the other picture was of diamonds being brought up um, so diamonds form out of sight no idea what's happening then you bring them up and there's something very precious and very special that's been there but you haven't seen it so God is in the process of answering prayer and uh, some of them you've seen on the stage some of the new trustees but it's it's really a changing phase of the ministry. But, uh, you know, how helpful and really how vital it is in prayer that we do get these little glimpses from God, um, you know, and how we'd be sort of struggling to make the best of it if we didn't have that sense from God, well, actually, you know, this is the way I see it. Um, so don't do this, but this is the way I see it. Hearing from God uh, is vital. So... As we look at our prayer life, this is just a challenge to me, and it's a challenge for all of us, really. You know, what does our prayer life consist of? Because God says, there's my house is a house of prayer for all nations. What, what's actually going on in the prayer? Uh, certainly, a lot of it is regular intercession, isn't it? Praying for people, praying for situations. Just regular, ongoing prayer that we, we don't uh, give up on. But uh, it is also that hearing from God, isn't it? And uh, I have to remind myself, you know, am I really hearing from God? Um, I think probably if we're honest in our prayer lives, we do most of the talking. Is that, is that true for you? If you say, well, actually, it's mainly me and my words. Because that's just how it happens, isn't it? But is it all our words? You know, is, that our, is, is God just on the receiving end of this? Is, sort of flow of words and, and God's thinking you know if you'd only stop and listen and be attentive and really seek me I've got something for you might not be many words but that should be very important words and they'll they'll be a great help to you so it's uh, uh, it's listening as well as speaking isn't it and, and worship in prayer I mean uh, this isn't a teaching session on prayer but uh, it's helpful I think for all of us to uh, take a very honest look at what's going on in our prayer life. Is it all one way? Is it all praying for things? Are, are we really sure that we're sort of picking up on those things that God wants us to pray for? Jesus uh, said uh, that he only did what he, what he sees his father doing. Je Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. And really, that's such an important part of prayer, isn't it? To have that sense of what God's doing and uh, pray accordingly. I, I can think of uh, uh, a person who uh, has gone to be with the Lord now. He, he died in his 80s, but for all his adult life, and uh, uh, Sally and Pratima will uh, remember this person very well. He's called Don Rowley. And uh, Don Rowley, he, he really did live a life of prayer and mission. I mean, the, these words about um, 
uh, a ministry for all nations. He was right in the thick of that, very well-traveled um, in the Indian subcontinent. And at his funeral, uh, his daughter said something which was uh, stuck in my mind, because he, he did have a very fruitful life. Uh, and he said, uh, once dad uh, had that sense of what to pray for, uh, he wouldn't let go of it. Uh, and that was one of his daughters commenting about him, that how important prayer was, that once he had a sense of something that needed praying for, he wouldn't let go. He'd just go on and on and on until he got that answer to prayer. And that really spoke to me. And I thought, ooh, you know, am I letting it get watered down a bit easily? Or not exactly stopping praying, but it's a bit intermittent and a bit fluctuating. And if we've got something... You know, you know, that God's given us to pray for. That's a great thing, isn't it? You know, let's just keep on praying and not let go of it. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that, that has been very helpful to me. So just to recap then, uh, I'll read the verse out that we've started in uh, Isaiah 56. For my house, says the Lord, will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So it's God and his house. It's on his terms. In the same way that our house and our home is on our terms, God's house is on his terms. It's a house of prayer, and it's to be for all nations, with a special place for the foreigner and the eunuch, those who very readily have a sense they don't fit in, We've got a part to play in saying, yes, you do fit in, you know, welcome in. And those of us who are already gathered, we need to make sure that we don't just want the, the whole thing to run on our terms because God is adding and gathering others in. So it's great that we're gathered in and we've got to be helpful to the newcomers being gathered in as well. So I'm just going to close in prayer. Lord, we, we thank you for these words and uh, we think of a time for well, each of us, I guess, that we were the foreigner and perhaps we were those who felt like a unit. We were just missing something vital. But anyway, we had that sense that uh, others fitted in to your house much better than we did and yet you've drawn us in Lord we can never thank you enough for that it means everything to us Lord and we confess Lord that if we're honest uh, we can start to think too easily about pleasing ourselves and being comfortable in what we've got when you're wanting to bring in other foreigners and others who are newly gathered. So we, we confess that, Lord, that this is what we're like. We do pray for ourselves. We pray for each other, Lord. We pray for Global Cafe. We pray for Sunbridge Road Mission. And all involved, that we'd have a renewed sense of what you're doing. And help us, Lord, to fit in with you. Lord, to keep going week by week and month by month, faithfully in what you're doing. And we pray, Lord, 
that uh, when you look at our lives, when you look at Global Cafe, when you look at Sunbridge Road, you wouldn't just look at us and say, they're all leaves and no fruit. We want you to find the fruit. We want there to be fruit for you. We want you to look at us and say, I'm pleased because I've got what I wanted. And so we pray for each other that you'd help us, Lord, to fit in with you in these exciting times and challenging times and what you're doing amongst the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Roy. We, we won't um, sing because of the time. We'll finish there. Thank you so much. And uh, let's take those thoughts, take, think about what God's saying to us. Don't lose that as we go into the lounge and afterwards. If you can stay behind, tea and coffee.